Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Asians Talking Puck. I'm your host, Josiah Chen. Uh, today it's actually just going to be me running the podcast. Uh, Han is out of town, so best wishes to him. Uh, so this week we are going to be covering the NHL's uh, weekly news, uh, along with some talk about the Olympics and a pretty big trade that happened this week. So to start off this week's uh, weekly news, uh, I'm going to be talking about the trade that happened between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, so going to Toronto in this trade uh, was forward Ryan Dezingle and defenseman Ia Lubushkin, and going to Arizona uh, was forward Nick Ritchie and a conditional pick, which is either going to be uh, Toronto's 2025 second round pick or their 2023 third round pick. So they have the option... Uh, to choose which pick that they acquire um, from Arizona. So I personally think that this is a great, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good trade. I don't really see much of a winner or loser, per se. Um, I think it benefits definitely both Nick Ritchie and Ryan Dezingle. I think both of those guys are uh, players that could just benefit from a little change of scenery. However, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs did go on to announce uh, just shortly after that trade that they were going to be putting for uh, Ryan Dezingle on waivers. So, you know, as a former Hurricane, I, d- I did follow him. You know, I, d- I think he had a lot of great potential. It's definitely uh, tough to see him uh, being waived. But, you know, I I personally think that, you know, a team or two could end up taking him. I mean, he's he, he has the potential to be a, a solid 20-goal scoring winger. Um, and, you know, he has proven uh, NHL capabilities. But he's just kind of sort of fallen out of form these last few years um but you know I, I think i think that there's definitely a chance that someone could take him i mean after all if alex galchenyuk uh, is still going to be taken these days i you know I, th- I think there's a good chance someone will pick him up um and then in terms of nick ritchie i think the same way you know obviously he had a great uh career in anaheim you know he was a really solid second you know third line middle six type forward uh and again i think this year you know he's just been a little bit just out of it, and I think maybe a little change of scenery uh, wouldn't be anything bad for him. Uh, so the next uh, piece of news that we have for this week is uh, Jack Eichel finally making his return um, back to the NHL. He had not played a game since uh, March seventh, twenty twenty one. So at this point, it's been almost a year. With uh, obviously with the whole medical uh, happening that was uh, with Buffalo, he. He wanted to get a uh, replacement disc surgery, and Buffalo wouldn't let him. Um, so he ends up going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Vegas did uh, lose the first two games that they had with him, but uh, Jack Eichel did get an assist in his second game back, so his first NHL point with Vegas. Uh, you know, I think it's a great sign to see him back in the NHL now. You know, I, I think he definitely did there was a part of him that definitely did want to stay in Buffalo, but, you know, when these things work out, they just don't work out. So, uh, but yeah, obviously, you know, really happy for him. Uh, he actually did some of his rehab at the uh, the home rink that uh, I play hockey at. So, yeah, some of my uh, teammates and, and friends got to meet him, which was pretty cool. Uh, but moving on, last week we uh, actually mentioned the Oilers uh, coaching ta- coaching change. Uh they fired uh, head coach Dave Tippett and uh, replaced him with uh, Jay Woodcroft. Now, we didn't really go in depth to it too much because, frankly, we didn't know a whole lot about, you know, who Jay Woodcroft was as a coach. None of us had heard of him. Um, but surprisingly enough, uh, as, as the new uh, head coach behind that bench, uh, the Oilers have been 5-0 and with him, which is crazy. 
so, you know, maybe things are starting to look up in Edmonton. Uh, you know, it's definitely interesting to see how it'll play out in the long run. Uh, I mean, if you look at Vancouver earlier uh, this year when they fired Travis Green and brought in Bruce Boudreau, I mean, they went on a tear. So, you know, you do wonder sort of uh, if, if the coaching changes is going to help in the long run. Uh, but obviously, it seems to be having some pretty uh, instant payoff for them. So if you're the Oilers, you, uh, you have to be pretty happy with that. So moving on to our first major topic of this week as the 2022 Olympics. So the uh, hockey tournament has concluded as of the day that I'm recording this. Uh, so congratulations to all of the medalists there. So for the women's tournament, uh, it was Canada taking home the gold, uh, USA taking home the silver, and Finland taking home the bronze. And for the men's tournament, uh, which was a little unexpected, uh, Finland goes home with the gold, the Russian Olympic Committee goes home with the silver, and Slovakia with the bronze. So I want to talk about the Slovakian team because what a ride it has been for them. I mean, you really just you, you can't feel anything but good for this team. I mean, they're it, it's such an underdog story, you know, to to beat the U.S. in a shootout in the quarter quarterfinals. It um it was just a, a great game, and you know, uh, even though I'm cheering for um uh, you know for the U.S., you know, it's 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 hard not to cheer for the Slovakian team sometimes. Um, but, you know, kind of expanding on that, what's even more surprising is the Olympic MVP this year was 17-year-old Uri Slakovsky. Um, and so he had seven goals during the Olympic tournament, which led all Olympic players during that time, along with two goals in the bronze medal game. So obviously, you know, as a 17-year-old, he's a 2022 draft-eligible prospect. And I think... Uh, I think I saw that he was fifth on the European scouting list. Uh, so he's, he's pretty high up, and you have to think that his draft stock is just going to increase after this because what a performance by him. And, you know, obviously, you know, when he gets drafted this summer, you know, everyone's going to be remembering his just incredible Olympic performance. But, yeah, you know, I think this year for the Olympics was was definitely very, very interesting. Obviously not having NHL players for the second Olympics in a row, uh, it was interesting, but, you know, frankly, even though I'm che obviously cheering for the U.S., you know, I, I, I like seeing these other teams, uh, you know, win the gold. You know, I, I think it's, it's great for just the sport, you know, in terms of growing it in other countries. I mean, obviously, you know, it's big in countries like Finland and Russia, but I think it's just great for kind of, you know, the younger Finnish players or younger Russian players to just kind of, you know, look up to their Olympic teams and think, hey, you know, we want a gold. And I think that's just, that's really awesome. Um, there was a video, I think, that uh, was showed at one point of a youth hockey team in Slovakia all watching uh, the shootout versus the U.S. And when, you know, when, when Slovakia won, all the, the uh, Slovakian players on that team just, just went absolutely crazy. So, you know, it was just kind of like a heartwarming moment to watch. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's it's great to see just different countries win the tournament every once in a while. I mean, you know, it's typically been the U.S. and Canada that win it. Uh, but, you know, I think it's just great to be able to grow the sport in multiple countries and, you know, to really have that sort of global impact. And on top of that, though, at, uh, at this year's Olympics, there were some notable uh, contributions from some players of color. Um, Sarah Nurse for the Canadian women's team actually now has the most points and most assists in a single women's Olympic tournament. Uh, and she becomes the first uh, black player to do so, along with the first uh, black player to 
win an Olympic gold medal. So yeah, it's really just great to see that uh, diversity being represented there. So moving on to uh, the next big topic of this week, probably the biggest trade that happened. Uh, well, I mean, there were only two trades that happened in the NHL this week, but definitely the bigger of the two, uh, the Tyler to Foley trade between Calgary and uh, and Montreal. So going to Calgary uh, is just Tyler Toffoli, nothing else. Uh, and going to Montreal is a 2022 first round pick, although it is top 10 protected. Uh, a 2024 fifth round pick, uh, Tyler Pitlick and Emil Heineman. So, you know, first looks at this trade, you know, I, I, I feel like Calgary definitely has won this trade. I'm still very confused, honestly, as to why Montreal traded away to Foley. Uh, you know, he's, he's on a very affordable contract. Uh, he's in the second year of a four-year, $17 million contract. Uh, but on top of that, he was, you know, he was just a player that liked being in Montreal. And he was a great mentor to, to some of the younger guys um, that are on that team. You know, if you look at guys like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, you know, younger guys that definitely benefit from having that sort of uh, veteran presence uh, in the lineup. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a mystery to me and a mystery to, I think, a lot of people as to why why Montreal would get rid of him. I mean, that I think they got a decent haul back for him, for sure. And obviously, Montreal is in, in the process of a rebuild anyways. But, you know, just getting rid of a guy like that who also has won a Stanley Cup is is tough for them and you know i think i you know i really feel bad for for some of the younger guys on that team I, you know there was a uh, quote that came out from cole caulfield earlier this week uh where he was talking about how much he's he's gonna miss uh, tyler Toffoli. so you know it's gonna be hard to replace a guy like him in the locker room especially with just the the very promising and talented young core that that montreal has um but i mean if you look at this trade from the flip side uh Calgary really seems to have made off good here because, you know, they're walking away with a forward who can play top six minutes. He can play in your middle six, um, which and, and Calgary is a team that, if anything, needs more offense. They need more scoring because they play a great shutdown defensive style of hockey. Uh, but, you know, they're relying on just kind of a few guys this year to produce offense. So having a guy like Toffoli definitely, definitely helps them out, you know, in that regard. Um, but another thing that I actually completely forgot about was Daryl Sutter used to coach the LA Kings, and obviously Tyler Toffoli was a part of the LA Kings for most of his career, uh, but also Daryl Sutter was the coach behind that LA Kings bench in 2014 uh, when they won the cup. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely looking good for Calgary. Obviously, uh, they sit pretty high up in the Pacific Division right now. I don't know exactly where they are. Uh, you know, the standings change every day. But, you know, I, I think Calgary is going to definitely be a team to watch uh, for these upcoming playoffs for sure. Um, and this move is really just going to just bolster their offensive core a lot more. You know, I, I think this is probably going to be their sort of main move uh, ahead of the trade deadline. You know, you could, I could definitely see Calgary sort of just sitting still for the most part uh, at the trade deadline just, just because I think at this point they can afford to, you know, they have a pretty good core uh, built up right now. You know, maybe you go looking for some more depth uh, forwards and whatnot, but, you know, Calgary is a team that, that looks pretty serious this year, so they'll definitely be uh, be fun to watch. 
And for the last little segment here, um, I'm actually going to talk about some uh, trade rumors that have uh, surfaced around the NHL. Obviously, uh, we're coming up pretty close now on the NHL trade deadline. We're about a month out. Um, obviously, most trade deadline trades happen like on the day, but you know you, you see definitely a decent bit of stuff ahead of time, and you know obviously teams are working on that now. Um, so I'm going to talk about one that uh, hits particularly close to home. Uh, Claude Giroux. Uh, there's there's been some inklings around that the Hurricanes might be interested in him, so you know as a Hurricanes fan, I I I am questionable about this move honestly. You know I I think obviously Claude Giroux is a great player for any team to have. You know with his leadership ability. Uh, you know Rod Brindamore seems to like him. Uh, as as he said at the uh, NHL All Star game, so. You know, I, I don't I don't see him really as a fit though. Like, I mean, he plays center first of all, and our center uh, lineup is already somewhat crowded as it is. Um, and I'm also not liking potentially what the, uh, the the Hurricanes would have to give up for him. It probably would include some some pretty high end prospects. I think I've heard a couple of names thrown around. Um, but you know, I. I, you know, I'm questionable about that. I think for Philadelphia, though, you know, if, you know, if, if their team continues to not do so well, they're definitely going to look at trading uh, Drew, which would be interesting. You know, trading your captain is, is, is a move, but obviously we've seen, you know, we've seen teams do it. I mean, it wasn't really a trade, but if you look at this, um, this past year with uh, the Calgary Flames exposing Mark Giordano to the Seattle Kraken, Obviously, teams aren't necessarily afraid to do it, which is which is interesting. But um, yeah, on uh, on the topic of Mark Giordano, uh, there's actually been some inkling that he could return to Calgary, which uh, which that's that's very interesting. Now, you know, I know I said earlier that Calgary might not be doing a whole lot at the deadline, um, but you know, this it's an interesting move to to consider for sure. Uh, he could, does currently have a 19-team no-trade clause. Uh, now, I feel like I would potentially imagine that Calgary would not be on that list, but I, I don't know. Um, the other thing that uh, Calgary would have to look at is the $6.75 million cap hit that, the, uh, that he carries along with him. So obviously, they would have to find a way to make that fit. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's definitely something to consider. Personally, I I would I don't think Calgary would would benefit a whole lot from doing that. Like I said, their their defensive core is, is pretty good right now. They you know the brand of hockey that they play is is you know it's strong and uh, you know I think bringing in a guy like Giordano would be great for sort of that veteran presence. But also you you want to look at you know how much are you willing to to go against the cap hit. So yeah, I I personally don't think it's going to happen. I mean, obviously, if the Flames were okay uh, letting him go to Seattle earlier this year, I don't think they'd go back on that, but it is definitely something to watch and kind of a fun thing to consider. So um, for the last uh, trade rumor that we have for this week, it's actually um, Ben Chiro. So obviously, he's a defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he currently has a 10-team no-trade clause uh, with a cap hit of $3.5 million. So the expected return for him looks to be about just a first-round pick, which honestly would make sense uh, for him. Uh, and I'd say a comparison, you know, 
previous comparison for this trade would be like the Brady Shea trade to Carolina in 2020, where um, New York received Carolina's uh, first round pick. There were some conditions on it, but it it did end up going through, and then um, Carolina received just Brady Shea. So you know. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of teams that are going after Chiro. You know, I, I think some potential fits for him could be uh, Colorado, Edmonton, or, or Florida, perhaps. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's just a big body, good guy on the blue line to have. Um, so I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved, you know, along with the sort of uh, fire sale that Montreal is doing right now. I really would not be surprised at all. And, you know, they're going to be happy getting a first-round pick. In, uh, in return for him. So, yeah, definitely interesting to see where all these players uh, are going to end up. So, that's uh, that's all I have for, for this week. I know it was a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, but, yeah, if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, please remember uh, to give us a like on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening uh, to us on. Uh, and also be sure to follow us, uh, on Instagram at Asians talking puck, uh, where we kind of post our, uh, weekly updates there. And, you know, we have uh, viewer polls that go out every once in a while. Uh, if you do have questions or anything that you want us to talk about, feel free to DM us on that Instagram account. Again, it's at Asians talking puck, or you can just email us at Asians talking puck at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Apologies that it's a little bit of a shorter episode this week, uh, but we will be back next week with a more full-length, in-depth episode. Uh, So thank you so much for listening.